Grand Moth Tarkin, I am honored by your visit. Welcome to Grand Moff Talkin' delicately curated long-form discussion of the internationally beloved Star Wars saga tailored to the modern fanatic, brought to you lovingly in weekly increments by the loquacious yet soothing voices of your hosts, Riley, Jake, Hey, uh, Jasmine, Hello, and Isik. My name? Is that? Yes, Isik. Okay. I don't know, Isaac. Uh, welcome! Great job. The difference between in person and Skype yeah. is always surprising. Also, we always do s- the online recordings late at night when we're when tired. we're very tired. <laughs> I went to a graduation party today. Shout I'm out! So sorry to hear that. Shout out to all the grads out there. Grads, <laughs> <laughs> grads. I uh, our bit we do that. I'm I'm coming off a four hour nap and I'm inside of a car right now. For your uh, for your audio quality, listeners. So, like, were you kicked out of the house and you have to sleep in the car tonight or something? I mean, only if I fall asleep by accident. <laughs> well, you just had a four-hour nap, so you should be good. <laughs> if your nap lasts longer than four hours, you might <laughs> just have had a full night's sleep. <laughs> you might be a redneck. Um, <laughs> so, we're talking about Solo, a Star Wars story. Which a new Star Wars movie came out, guys. It, it, a new Star Wars movie came out. News Gunray. And the energy Star on Wars our show movie. has never been lower. It's pretty low. Well, it's because I'm bracing myself for what's about to come. So, again, we're talking about Solo, a Star Wars story. The table has been split yet again at GMT. Oh. No spoilers. Who liked it and who didn't? Um, do we have Back anything? Back later. That comes later. Do we have anything? <laughs> do we have any pod grooming or news gunray that we have to discuss? Can you imagine if we like doing this on our last Jedi episode? Like, <laughs> we never even considered doing news gunray or pod grooming. We just jumped right into it. We were so excited. I am very excited. I just know not spoilers. Not everyone else is. So I don't oh. know. Well, you just spoiled it right there, Riley. You loved it. I'm sorry. I did spoil it. Okay, here's my review. Well, we can just stop the podcast. I loved it. It was great. You're a real (laughs) Ruffalo Bowman, as far as I'm concerned, just spoiling stuff left and right, and your other actors have to shut your mouth during interviews, because I guess that's his bit, right? That's my secret. I'm always spoiling. Um, I hate this show. (laughs) It's really bad. Let's maybe give... um, like a brief impression. Everyone give their brief impression of the movie. Of Han Solo? Oh. Of, of Han Solo. <laughs> Do your Han hey, Solo I'm shooting first this time. There you go. Great. Uh, Isaac, you want to go first? Just give a, a brief. We'll get into the movie more, but a, a brief spoiler free. Anyone who's listening to this has seen the movie. You don't care. Just talk about the movie. Okay. So the Solo was exactly what I thought it was going to be. As far as like how I would react to it. And, and I, I was telling you guys, like, I, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing that the movie like perfectly met my expectations. And considering that I didn't have the highest expectations, I figured that it would be fun and it would have a lot of like, hey, this is how Han did this and how Han did that. And it, it I think it really did turn out to be a che- uh, like a checklist movie 
And to me, a lot of it was pretty smooth, but ultimately that's, that's what it was. And if I have to rank all the Star Wars movies, I figured I would put this at the bottom and I did put it at the bottom and I, I've seen it twice and I've, I've liked it twice, but it's never going to be my favorite Star Wars movie. And it's probably never going to creep up the list that much, but that doesn't matter too much because I love every Star Wars movie to some degree. And so I'm fine with it. So there's my initial impression. Quick, quick question. Did it improve for you on second viewing? Um, on the second viewing, the first act got worse for me and the rest of the movie maybe improved a little bit. I'll say that. That's unfortunate to hear. (laughs) Yeah. Jasmine, you haven't said anything. I haven't. That's on par for the course. Um, (laughs) Hey, self-awareness is half the battle. (laughs) So low. Yeah. So? So low. Um, Riley Riley got me a little bit more hyped for this movie than I was planning to be, I think. And so I was very, like, just sad by the time I finished watching the whole movie. I Uh was, yeah, just sad. Like, tears of joy. Yeah, no, actually, no. Very sad tears. Sad tears. (laughs) Um, the entire like first half of the movie, I was so incredibly bored. I've never sat in a Star Wars movie before, just like wanting to go to sleep or go do something else before. And that's just how I felt the whole time. Another big thing I that like bugged me this entire movie was some of the performances, like Woody Woody Harrelson. Oh my, he was so checked out of this entire movie and it just like it took me out of the movie so many times just re- Watching him just straight read lines off of paper, not even get like try at all. Um, like I, there were moments in this movie where I genuinely did have a fun time and it was good, but like I'm, I'm still with Isaac. It's never gonna be a favorite Star Wars movie. It's not even like, not even top or, you know, above the half marker. Like if I'm gonna watch a Star Wars movie, um, it's not going to be so low. <laughs> yeah. right. Can I also ask another follow-up question? Yeah. Revenge of the Sith or Solo? Because I know that you hate that movie. Attack um, of the Clones is your least favorite. Oh, okay, yeah. true. Attack so, of the Clones or Solo? In my ranking, it would be from worst to first. Uh, <laughs> from worst to first? <laughs> Last to fast. It would be Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, and then Solo, probably. Just like right. of wanting to watch. Okay. Yeah. Jacob. Oh well, the scale—it's kind of starts at the middle and just goes to the bad end of things. So I guess on my where I stand on the scale of Isaac to Jasmine, <laughs> I'm pretty much right there with Isaac. Probably, but I guess a little closer to Jasmine. I did not love Solo. I did like Solo. By the end of the movie, I felt that it had won me over and I was having a good time. But I would highly agree with Jasmine that, and I'm so bummed out to hear that the first act didn't improve upon repeat viewing because when I first saw Rogue One, didn't love it. I thought the Battle of Scarif was incredible, but I thought the first half of the movie was 
very bland. So I thought maybe this would be the case, but I, I suspect it won't be. This was, I thought it was very flat with some little things that were really fun. I really liked what, Lady Worm. Prox- Proxima. Proxima. Lady like Proxima was wonderful. That and the whole part was great. Uh, but surprisingly, I don't think I've ever seen a Star Wars movie where the action felt as flat as in the opening of this. Like that car chase was just nothing. I didn't feel a single thing during that entire car chase. It felt I like, oh, that. we'll have a car chase and the car will be chased and we'll shoot it with our camera. Did you know that George Lucas directed American Graffiti and Harrison Ford was also in that movie? <laughs> <laughs> and Lawrence Kasdan wrote this movie, so it has to be good. And Ron Howard was in American Graffiti. So this, you like this movie because all your favorite things are there. No, I, I, so that was really shocking to me. Uh, I would say that by the time we were introduced to Lando, that first meeting with Han and Lando when they're playing Zabak was fantastic. I really liked how they played with your expectations. And you're thinking, oh, this is where Han wins the Falcon. And he, he does it. And you're like, oh, it was very good. And from there on out, the movie was much more enjoyable, but I was, uh, I was mad at certain points. I physically cringed when the Imperial officer said (laughs) solo and gave Han a last name for no reason. I hated more than I've ever hated any star Wars character. Rio character. I was so relieved like i put my hand on my chest in relief when he died i'm glad he <laughs> died. i wish he would have died a couple of times how no i hated rio <laughs> but honestly there are a lot of things in the movie that i love it was just it's been a long time since i've seen a star wars movie that had things that i really disliked in it so i'm kind of right in the in the middle i i, I give it a thumbs middle old jake old jake do is back <laughs> here i am that's right i always forget that that's my thing and i just naturally fall into it <laughs> everything is fine it's fine i uh am the odd man out on this one because i loved solo i'm I, so relieved that somebody loved this movie i really did i had so much fun during this movie and and i'm i'm not getting maybe i'm just easier to please than the rest of you guys but i'm not getting the uh Especially the the boredom thing. I was I was not bored during this movie. I think that this movie was like to be fair. I guess if I have to be fair, it there were moments that were okay, but like it went from okay to great because there were some moments in here that I just loved. We'll we'll get into to specific details, but yes, my my overall impressions are that I had a lot of fun. It felt like I was watching a Legends book at some point, which is why I thought Jasmine was going to end up liking it. Um, but we'll we'll talk about that, I guess, more in depth. But yeah, so I'm I'm the odd man out on this one. I really loved Solo. I had fun from. I was actually a little worried because the beginning was so strong for me that I was worried that it wasn't going to keep it up for the whole movie, and I'm. Maybe it'll change once I see it a second time, but I still think the beginning of the movie is the strongest part for me. Um, I I really loved the the Corellia young Han stuff. I don't know that whole part was weird and fun, and but I I enjoyed a lot of this movie. So I 
hereby demand that we <laughs> talk about um the things we didn't like. Let's get into the things that we didn't like about this movie. Get the negativity out of the way. Let's get the negativity out of the way because I know there are at least some things that we all liked about this movie. So let's oh, get yeah. the negativity out of the way and let's for once end an episode on a positive note by talking about the things that we do like. We'll we'll see. See. <laughs> episode 53. Let's let's end on a positive note. We can do it. I believe in us. So I guess let's let's talk about characters because I think that's where a lot of people had problems with either some of the performances or the way some characters were treated. And my Beckett my biggest Beckett sucks. Beckett sucks. <laughs> I'm I'm totally cool with Beckett, but I okay. I guess I can see that maybe you could say if you're he's cool with out. characters, you suck. <laughs> well, can I, I mean... start with Beckett? Yeah, please. I was gonna say I I was I, I haven't like put this anywhere, but I was thinking about yet this movie yesterday, and it seems like I don't know if it's like a Woody Harrelson problem, or maybe like it's kind of like always been a Star Wars thing. I guess it's one of those things like it's a thing because they said it's a thing. Like, as the creators always talk about, oh, yeah, we always like we always tried to get like a A-lister to kind of anchor the movie, like in a certain acting role, like uh, like in the originals, you had Alec Guinness or Peter Cushing or someone like that. And then like the I think like from the prequels on, like because I know in the in the prequels, you had Samuel L. Jackson in Star Wars. And I know a lot of people I would say Liam Neeson was more of the prestige name in that first one, though. I'm kind of I feel like Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, I'm gonna like side episode. on Isaac's side. I on think this I one. am too. Yeah, like Samuel. To L. add like some class to the movie, you think Samuel L. Jackson was? Hey, let's let's get like no. A class. I think that Hold this on! was. I think that this was. Well, go ahead. What, <laughs> no, you no, were no, gonna we're say the like same it. thing, Isaac. You go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, Samuel L. Jackson was kind of like, oh, he's in the movie, and I think that a, a lot of people have the kind of perception that he wasn't maybe the best choice, or he he did he didn't really bring his A game. And then I know you had like Saw Gerrera as portrayed by Forrest Whitaker in Rogue One. And a lot of mm. people are like, eh, I don't know. He's kind of doing Forrest Whitaker things. And and then in this movie, you have Woody Harrelson. So I, I think you may have the issue of like the Star Wars universe doesn't lend itself well to maybe like A-listers considering that like Star Wars has always kind of had the thing of, hey, for these young characters, we're going to get a bunch of unknowns or kind of unproven's and they're going to inhabit these characters. And so... I think we may be a little bit biased because like we have no frame of reference for these characters and they're maybe given more of a, uh, a, a textured story, a textured background and like, Hey, we're going to bring in this big gun for like one role. And he kind of has like one thing he's known for, like, let's do like, let's get Woody Harrelson to play Woody Harrelson in this movie because like people <laughs> will know that. And so I, I think that may be like kind of the big issue. Cause like I was fine with Beckett, but I mean, that's, I guess the problem, like I, I didn't really feel any feelings toward him. I, and like his double cross at the end was like absolutely the. It was. I think I heard plenty of people discussing the movie beforehand, and everyone's like, "Yeah, he's probably gonna double cross." And he's like, "Yeah, he'll probably double cross." And me too. I'm like, "Yeah, he'll probably double cross at the end." And look at the end. He double crossed. It turned out like it was kind of a character. You kind of saw the beats coming, and it kind of played out just like I thought it would. So I don't know if that really worked for his character. I thought that it was really just an issue with the, the performance itself. Like, yeah, I, I Star Wars movies are generally predictable. And I, I didn't think that he was a poorly written character. I, I don't think that there was really anything in the movie that was poorly written because I think the script was pretty good from a just 
like good solid screenwriting standpoint i guess agree to somewhat disagree with the and and i'm going to somewhat disagree with myself because i i found rio distasteful but i (laughs) (laughs) i think that my main issue with the performances in the movie was just that like woody harrelson and yes john favreau and also amelia clark uh weren't necessarily bad but they it felt like hey do you just want to show up and literally just read your lines and never really have to exert yourself in any way as an actor. And they're like, yeah, that sounds great. And that's exactly what they did. Like what I really found great about uh, rogue one was, I don't know that the script was that great, but you had the actors like Diego Luna. Uh, is that who played Cassian? Mm-hmm. And uh, you had Jenner. So why can't I think of any actor's name? This is why we shouldn't record late at night. It's Felicity like I no longer Jones. think of Felicity Jones. All of the like minor character, well, not minor, all of like the main characters in that movie. I don't know that they were written all that spectacularly, but all those actors just gave it their all and were wonderful. And they elevated those performances. And I think other than Han and Lando, uh, you d- I don't know that anybody really elevated the film like nobody really was trying to make the script better through their performance i know we're talking about beckett right now but i feel like amelia clark as kira like i don't know like i i, I kind of like what she did sometimes like her, she made some faces i didn't think she was like and i was like that's pretty good like i know what you're thinking right now kira <laughs> amelia well, I, clark. Know, I, I certainly like her face for one second um the example <laughs> I'm going to choose to give here is there's a line he says in the middle of the train heist and the way he delivers it is how I would imagine say Isaac would deliver a line. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think I know exactly what you're going to say. Like, it's something like, like, I don't remember it, but he's like, Oh no, they're coming or something like that. Like the, the marauders are like on their way to the ship, uh, to the train or something like that. And he just says it so Mediocrely, it. I just laughed. That that made me laugh. None of the. I'm flattered that you could get video game NPC dialogue. Yeah, exactly. You really saved my bacon, there, kid. You might as well just like <laughs> insert Isaac's voice line. There's always something in this time. But yeah, Kira. I liked her. I didn't have a problem with her. I didn't. I didn't think that Kira was bad. I thought she was way better than Woody Harrelson. But I didn't think that she did anything that was interesting. And that was kind of my issue. Not, not even her faces? You didn't think her faces were interesting? I think that you just like her face because she has a very pretty face. Nah. Which is true. It felt to me like there was a very clear distinction between Corellia Kira and Dryden Voss's Kira, um, which I, I think was a conscious choice. She definitely had less of a personality once we got to present day in the movie. But I think Maybe that's true. I think that was intentional because she's not... Obviously, there there's more going on with Dryden Voss and with uh, you know Maul than than we saw throughout the whole movie, and I think she was very strong in be in the beginning of the movie, um, when she was allowed to have a more of a personality. So I I think it was a choice maybe that she was a little more bland at the end, and I hate to use the word bland because I don't I don't think she was bland, but I I know what you're saying. I just feel like maybe it was a choice. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that like she was bad or she gave a bad performance, but I 
I didn't walk away thinking, oh, what a memorable character Kira was, and certainly not Beckett. I guess I do remember how much I was uninterested in him. Jake, I came here for your Rio Durant. Durant. So, you want to do that now? Brand. My Rio Durant. <laughs> Is that his name? Rio Durant? Yeah, Rio Durant. So, Rio, I, I really can't describe it. It, it was as if <laughs> John Favreau and Ron Howard got together and said, can we create a character that just is specifically designed to irritate Jake Jake Kreitz from Grand Moff Talkin. And they did it. They they managed to create the single most irritating character I've ever seen. I didn't seen even re- I didn't even realize who you were talking about until it's until the just it's now. the forearm to monkey. Yeah, the monkey. The monkey, yeah. Did you I, what did you think of the monkey real quick? He was absolutely horrible. Like Okay, thank you. Trash tier horrible. I was really worried that I was just going to be the only person coming down on no. Rio. What what it felt like to me. Okay, so obviously they realized from a screenwriting standpoint, well, this crew of people would have a pilot, so we can't just have Han be the pilot. Hey, you know what else this movie needs? It's just like a fun character who's just going to say fun stuff and be funny and be cute. And let's just make sure everybody really knows that they should be having fun when they're watching this guy. He's just going to always be saying funny stuff. And like literally everything he said was, you know what he felt like is he felt like a DreamWorks character in a Star Wars movie. Like everything was just kind of like a sassy. We're all just having a good party time here. in Star Wars kind of comment. It was kind of ironically detached. And then he got shot and I was so happy. And even after like his dying words was, they say never to die alone. And he, he didn't because he died next to Han. But it was just every single thing he said. He felt, felt right. like Rocket Raccoon, except not funny. It really was that. It was like yeah. they completely whiffed Rocket Raccoon, and, and they absolutely did. Yeah. It's raining really hard. You may be picking up some rain on my mic. I am. You shouldn't I'm have really that microphone sorry. out in the rain, by the way. It's because I'm recording outside in the storm. Yeah. Well, then something else I noticed about that character, they, to me, the animation looked extremely off with the audio. Like, I couldn't pay attention to really anything he was saying because I was, the the audio was so bad with the animation. They in no way chose a voice that matched the character. Yeah, the character and the voice didn't match. The timing, the syncing of the audio didn't match. His facial expressions never matched what he was saying. And I kind of noticed the same thing with Maul. It wasn't as bad, the syncing with Maul, just because he doesn't talk as much or as quickly. But it was really bad with this monkey dude. That monkey made me upset, and I I don't want to talk about him anymore, because I like some of this movie, and this is just making me angry. Hey, you know who nailed their performance? Was it Alden Ehrenreich? Lando Calrissian. Oh, yeah. Nailed it. I mean, even just from, like, the trailer, you could tell that he was going to nail it. And he did. As soon as he entered the movie, the movie was 10,000 times better. First second on screen, I I turned to Zeke and I was like, yep, that's Lando. I never never had a moment in that movie where I was like, hey, this guy is Han. Like, he never, he still never quite got there for me 
Uh, but like Lando was just instantly Lando. There were a couple moments where he felt a little more relaxed, Lando, and that it, it, it was just a little more Donald Glover than it was Lando. But overall, I just he did really good. I think. You know what Lando was? If I'm going to make a sports analogy, like he was like the safe, like the safest pick at the top of the first round of like the NFL draft. Like he just like knew coming out of college, like he was a four year starter and he had the measurables and he had the statistics and he had all the, he had all the tools you needed. And so you knew you draft him and you plug him right in and he's going to be a solid starter on your team for 10 years. And so it's, yeah, he wasn't a big surprise to me because I, I knew I'd be satisfied and he was, he's a, Solid 10-year starter in my backfield, Lando Calrissian, that guy, Donald Glover. I think, I think it's, like, important to note that, like, Lando is has so little screen time in Star Wars, and yet people love Lando. Like, he's in approximately 10 minutes of Empire and probably 20 total minutes of Return of the Jedi. I really, in my head, get Revenge of the Sith and Return of the Jedi mixed up. That's a weird because one's a good movie and and one's <laughs> I, a dirty diaper. I, I lobbed it up and he <laughs> knocked it out of the park. But I I think like for him to bring so much to that character that like we all have such a distinct idea of what Lando should be despite having so little of him, and he nailed it. It was it was a wonderful performance, and I think that we should acknowledge that Alden. I Jasmine's opinion great. aside was fantastic. I thought he, he was, was great. very, very good. I don't I don't know if I can agree with this. No, he was great. Um yeah, he he didn't try to do a Harrison Ford impression, which is what I wanted. Um, but he he sold he that he was a, a younger Han Solo to me. He, he did the he, his body language, I think, was the big thing for me. Like he, yeah. there was like so like five or six specific movements of like his head that I was like, that's that's Han. He, he did. He, he did do really well with that. He did the point, which Harrison Ford always points in all of his movies in a very specific way, and he had the he had the point down. Um, but yeah, he. I, I, you're right. He did do an impression of his physicality, but he did not do a voice impression, which was the right choice. Mm-hmm. And before we uh, completely move on from negativity, I have to kind of piggyback really quick on the whole Rio Durian thing. I also was kind of annoyed and also like him in conjunction with Val, I found annoying particularly because it was like the the old trope of like the new guy joins a, a ragtag gang of outlaws and Val was the one who she's skeptical of the new guy and she doesn't know if she wants him around because she's a tough customer who knows what <laughs> it takes to survive on these streets. And Rio's like, Eh, what's the big deal? We can always use another hand around here. <laughs> and so that dynamic, like, I feel like I've seen that 19,000 times and I did not welcome it. And, well, they didn't survive past the first act, so I guess it didn't matter that much. But the little bit of screen time they had, I just kind of rolled my eyes at both those characters. I, yeah, I, I, I kind of, I'm sorry. I was, I couldn't, I kind of couldn't believe how cliche that initial, like, band of characters was. Yeah. And I, I want to dwell on what they did to Val for a little bit, too. But go ahead, Riley. Yeah, no, I just want to circle back to Donald Glover real quick because I didn't get to say <laughs> anything. But he uh, was great. And I'm going to agree with Isaac that it, this was kind of the factor, the most solid factor going in that everyone knew Donald Glover was going to be great because Donald Glover's great at everything that he wants to do. Um, but 
I drew a parallel to them giving Ryan Johnson a trilogy of movies before the, the Last Jedi came out because of how confident they were in the movie. And they announced, or they didn't announce, but they heavily implied that they're going to be Lando spinoffs before Solo came out. So they realized what they had with with uh, Donald Glover. I want to go. I want to go back to Alden really quick. No, he was really good. Quick. I think <laughs> the reason he doesn't always work for me in this film is just because of how spot on Lando was. Like Lando is just so solid and so Lando, and you cut back to Han. And sometimes he'd be there, sometimes he wouldn't. And I, it, I don't think it helped me with Lando's um, voice being just like, just as spot on as the acting was. Alden's voice, you know, obviously I didn't want him to do an impression of Han. He just has a different voice. And just, it was a little bit harder for me to get into him being Han, I guess. I don't agree with you, but I see what you're saying. You know, yeah. one of them is doing a dead-on impression, and one of them is doing a new take on the character. I, I can see what you're saying there. It, I'm not saying I hated it. Like it's just a little, little off for me. It's it's not an excuse because I, I don't think this should excuse the final product of a movie. But it also is important to. I just wonder how much of Alden's stuff was reshot. And if the yeah. moments where he maybe felt I off a little bit were pre-Ron Howard, I don't know. I'm, they I'm, said it was 70%, right? 70 yeah. or 80%. Yeah. I heard yeah. 80. But there there has to be some stuff that was pre-Ron Howard, and maybe that's the stuff that felt off for you. I don't know. Can I tell you the one scene that I think remained from the Lord and Miller stuff was uh lando doing his video diaries that felt like, that definitely uh, felt like clever improvising a little bit which i really well i guess probably not because he's so heavily scripted stuff from legends in there but yeah it felt like the kind of comedy that they were maybe going for i hated that by the way whoa yeah. jasmine hated that's, everything it's a big i did not right like there. the comedy in this movie at all it often did not work i'm gonna say none of it none of it worked for me except um if you can call the like han and or not, yeah han and chewy uh showering together i thought that was funny oh that was funny <laughs> that's definitely, i thought that was funny I, but I that's think there, not that's not a joke that's a moment yeah to to me there were See, no, but I think that was I think that was intended to be a a joke. That's you know, yeah, a, yeah. a joke doesn't have to oh, be sure, you know, yeah. set up punchline. But I I think there were there were a few moments that were intended to be jokes that that worked for me. But other than that, I, maybe it was just me. I didn't notice a lot of intentional jokes. To me, it felt more like maybe it, it wasn't as good as a New Hope, but it felt maybe. like the kind of well, no, the the kind of comedy that a New Hope tried to to, to do with um, the comedy coming from characters reacting to the situations they're in, and not necessarily set up punchline. And overall, it it all worked for me. That's, That's just going to be funny. You saying that because the moment I'm thinking of that made me actually cringe was when they're all in the ship. I think had just started flying into the uh, clouds, Kessel clouds, whatever they were in there. And like something, you know, it was like a jump scare moment. And you see that thing come up on screen and it cuts back to the cockpit. 
and everyone just goes, ah, like it, that felt like a, like a just moment that meant to be funny, like a little amateur comedy moment that was meant for kids or something. And it, it actually made me cringe. I don't know. At this That's, point, like I, I think you need yeah. to watch this movie again. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty with you on that one. I, I oh, think well. that there was absolutely, and, and I don't know what you're saying. Set up in punchline, like I don't think that Star Wars has ever done that kind of humor. It's always been like reactions and situational and just like good funny banter. And I think that there is they were really striving to be fun and funny and witty and. I've never heard such a quiet viewing of a Star Wars movie in my entire exactly. life. Exactly. Like, I was about to say that was my fear too. Land with anybody yeah. I was watching it with. Yeah, like, and I don't think anyone laughed profusely at any of the jokes. Big sold out show. There was two chuckles. And that was surprising. And, and I will say maybe if I watched it with a more receptive audience, it would have boosted my enjoyment because a comedy can really like not hit you right if the audience isn't into it but hey i want to get back to val oh yeah let me just say one quick thing about the comedy <laughs> justice for val i the last quick thing is it was 10 minutes ago <laughs> i barely got to say anything in this episode I you know. guys are so unfair um no i don't this might be controversial to you guys but Whoa. the comedy in this movie did not feel any worse than the comedy in the last jedi which i disagree liked, and which you all defended Dis i don't the last jedi is funny yep i just did not feel any difference between this movie and the I last jedi a big old difference yeah i didn't there you go let's I talk think about it came from much stronger characterizations in the last jedi i think that has a lot to do with it yeah you know beckett yeah. might make a quit but i'm like who's this beckett guy i don't care what he says um Val. I hate everything I'm saying and the way I'm saying it, by the way. Just so if you're a new listener and you hate what I'm saying, I don't like it either. And I wish I was. <laughs> um, Val. But Jay, continue. <laughs> but, but I have a lot to say. Val is my biggest point of contention. Her and L3 and even Rio. And we'll get into it. But let's, let's talk about let's talk about Val. Well, one thing that I, I, I thought was maybe like. From the marketing point of view, I think this may be the most successful movie at hiding what the movie was about because, like, you thought the entire movie was going to be about Han with this team. Yeah, do the they train die robbery. Yeah. In yeah. five minutes. And you thought that the climax of the movie was going to be that train robbery. It's like the first thing that happened. So that was actually kind of a pleasant surprise that yeah. the movie wasn't about that at all. But it was also a relief because I hated all those characters, except for Val. I liked Val a lot. I thought she had a lot of personality she she felt like a real person as opposed to Beckett. yeah she was I, tough. Now, and here's what i'm gonna here's what i'm gonna say because my immediate reaction was why didn't they kill beckett and have val be the mentor character and then i realized what that would have done is that would have put han in a position where he has to shoot a black woman at the end of the movie <laughs> there's no way they would have ever done that yeah, nor should they because that would have been really bad bad look so i'm i'm honestly yes they could have restructured the movie and not have a moment where han shoots first but they were never going to have that level of restraint which so, was tacky anyway it was tacky anyway but i the thing with val's death i guess i don't necessarily have a problem with her dying i don't didn't her want her to die because i thought she was so good it pointless. was it was terrible and pointless it yeah. first of all 
it had absolutely zero impact on Beckett. He was making quips mm -hmm. the next he punched Han in the face. He's like, all right, got that out of my system. My wife's dead, but we're cool now. Time for fun. It was, it, it did not serve his journey, which but it's, it's okay already a cliche. He didn't trust anyone ever, it's, no matter yeah, it's, what. It's already a bad Don't cliche. You him? <laughs> it's already like a bad cliche to kill a woman to serve a man's journey in the movie, but they didn't even do that. They just killed her to make you think that it served his journey and it didn't. And I don't believe that she would have killed herself for some train heist. Like they're a group of bandits and thieves. Bandits and thieves don't kill themselves for the mission. They cut and run. So exactly. I didn't buy for a second that she would have committed. Like this isn't rogue one. This is a heist movie. Danny ocean. Wasn't going to kill himself for not completing the casino heist. I did not like that choice at all. It felt no, wrong. No, but Danny Ocean would have killed himself for Julia Roberts. Absolutely, is... he would not have not at all. <laughs> don't buy it. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. I I think I think Val was a better person. I'm talking about Danny Ocean. Beckett. <laughs> Val is a better person than Beckett, and also why she. But what? I don't know. She didn't have to kill herself. No, but if she didn't kill herself, all those things were going to go kill Beckett. Who cares? He should die. Well, she cares. Didn't she see the movie? <laughs> no, uh, I, my, it felt like a weird choice all around. My my biggest issue with this movie is that Val dies for Beckett. Um, L3 dies for Lando to have an emotional moment. Uh, yeah. Rio dies, even though you guys, even though you guys don't like him, he's the Star Wars minority character who dies first. Uh, and then you have Kira, who what was his minority exactly? John Favreau? No, just <laughs> aliens are the minority in Star Wars. Can I say one thing real quick? This movie had the best ratio of aliens to people of any of the new movies. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot they, of aliens in this one. There were, but how many of them spoke? <laughs> I all right. Was it MJ in our Discord who said that like in the art of book they talked about making ha making Kira an alien, but they're yeah. like, but you but you can't do that. Yeah, uh, it's unfortunate. And Dryden was supposed to be an alien, and they're like, nah, let's just put some red scars on Paul Bettany's dumb face. Yeah, so that that's my big problem is that all of the Kira needed rescued for the first half of the movie before he realized she didn't need rescued, but actually she still needed rescued because she's under control of Dryden Voss. But then she's not under control of Dryden Voss, but just kidding, she's under control of Maul now. So it's just like the the treatment of women and minority stand-ins, I guess. You know, aliens are supposed the, to be the minority in Star Wars was the big bummer of this movie. To me, the really weird, the really weird tone deaf thing to me was having L3's like social activism and like wanting civil rights and equal rights be a huge joke. That was like yeah. constantly a punchline. Like, aren't women annoying? They want equal rights. Boo! Every and everyone was always like rolling something. their eyes, like yeah, sorry about would, her. It would immediately cut to a scene of Lando just rolling his eyes and apologizing. That ticked me off a lot. Yeah, I um I need to watch it again to see if it's just me putting this on the movie, but I I feel like there's a distinction between the movie not taking L3 seriously and the characters in the movie not taking L3 seriously because no one in Star Wars has ever taken droids seriously. 
and that kind of proves L3's point that something needs to be done because even those who are closest to her don't really consider her a person or don't consider her cause to be a serious one. So again, I don't know if it's, you know, maybe maybe <laughs> it's just on me because I like this the the thought of droids getting rights. Uh but I, I don't do know. too. That's what it annoyed me. Well, I know. I just feel like maybe maybe people, I don't know. Maybe it's ah, forget it. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm bummed out. Oh, I love man. this movie. No. We're going to get to positive stuff. I know. Not for a while, well, though, because they have a lot of negative things to say. Yeah, Before really. we... Jay Cried story. Um, <laughs> let me say one more thing about Val and Beckett here real quick. My most cringy moment of the movie was when they're, like, talking to Han, and Val and Beckett are talking to somebody to the effect of, like, yeah, when you're living life on the streets, sometimes you got to make sacrifices, but sometimes you still got to make out and then they look at each other and they make out and it was it just made me so uncomfortable because it was such an awkward like hey we're romantic because we just showed you well and you hate romance and love well that's a separate issue and my and my psychiatrist are working through it but <laughs> no it was you know, whatever i don't like seeing people kiss in anything oh my god what? I just I don't like wow. seeing people kiss in movies. It's weird. More than negative ones. I'm just saying wow. any movie ever. So just general concept of love and affection. Riley is, is true. It. Ask wow. my wife. I hate holding hands. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a thing. I that remember. is a thing. Is that really a thing? What are you, Ray Romano? That was an episode of Everybody Loves Rain. Oh, was it? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Hey guys, hey. <laughs> I'm Ray Romano. <laughs> That's a bad Ray Romano. And it's me, Robert. <laughs> hey, episode. brother, I don't want to hold your hand. That's worth the development. <laughs> the opposite Beatles. <laughs> uh, this episode's so good. Else is that, that all the characters? I, I want to have anything more to say. to say about L3? Oh, I liked L3 a lot. Um, I just wish that she wasn't treated like a punchline. Yeah, but she seemed cool. To me, I, it felt like her only trait was that I I don't this is bad or wrong I don't know but like her only trait was that she wanted droid rights that was it yeah that was mm -hmm. and I I didn't didn't like that either that's yeah but like felt Han's like a weird choice to me Han's only trait is that he wanted to rescue Kira no and, that is not mm, true at yeah. all that's his motivation but he has a lot of different traits it's not everything he ever talks about all the time okay but like how many of those traits were in this movie. And not stuff you're getting from other movies. I think he had a lot of character in this movie. I think she had a lot of character. L3? Yeah. I Here's what I'm going to say. She had, uh, I, there's a whole thing of her and Kira discussing Lando and her, his crush on her. Sorry, yeah, I, Bechdel test, you failed. But anyway, we can agree to disagree on, that, or on L3. Yeah, I, I think if you were to break down like all of her dialogue, I, I, she literally only talked about Lando or the fact that droids don't get equal treatment, which, hey, valid things to talk about, but every everybody else got to be a character, and she did not, which felt unfortunate and a little tone deaf to me. But I don't know. Um, Are there any other characters? We could talk about the mall cameo. Oh, we're going to talk about Dryden. 
Oh, let's talk about Dryden. Dryden the fact that we fine. haven't talked about him means that he'd made zero impact on any of us. He was Generic fine. white male villain. Now, I know that I'm like a adult who only watches Marvel and Star Wars at the cinema, and oh, I should watch more movies because Twitter told me so. But <laughs> did Dryden Voss feel kind of like a Marvel villain? Yep. Yes, he did. He felt specifically like that guy from Ant-Man. This movie really reminded me a lot of that movie in oh, that it was gosh. fine. It was fine. You've just reminded me. No, Ant-Man is trash. This makes well, so that's much kind sense of the now. thing. Is you see yeah. it and you're like, oh, that was kind of fun. There were some not so great things about it. And then you realize there's just not a lot there. And I'm worried that this is going to be like that because I want to rewatch this movie and I want to find more things there. And I want to look back on this podcast and log into our SoundCloud account and delete it because I was wrong. But <laughs> I, I don't think that will happen. No, I'm changing the password. Um, <laughs> it's to. <laughs> no, I have to cut that out. <laughs> yeah. I um, we'll just put, put, like beep it out. I'll bleep it out. Dryden was just totally fine. He's fine and, and i'm a a fan of paul bettany I, i'm a member of his fan club always happy to see him now famously famously you've said he had a stupid face <laughs> yeah look i like him from the neck down he's a real betting face there's something there <laughs> he's a real bet danny bet everything's betting but his knee. Oh, is that it for the characters? Who else was in this? What about the mighty Chewbacca? Oh yeah. Well, we, we, we could talk. Are we gonna talk about good things? Because are there any other negative things to get off your chests before we talk about Chewbacca and start this positivity train? I'll find them along the way. I'm sure. Well, no. Zit. Chewbacca. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to say I will remember things I didn't like. No. Chewbacca. Chewy. Great. Chewbacca. Objectively fantastic. great. Best Chewbacca movie. Best Chewbacca movie. Yep. Isaac, you wanted to talk about Chewbacca. Sure. Yeah. It was. It was great. It was. Uh, again, like where the 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 checklist of things you thought this movie was going to provide that you Han, me, and Chewie was one of them. And I don't think it disappointed. It was also like another unexpected thing because when those uh, stormtroopers were like throw him to the beast, I thought to myself, "Huh, the beast." I was thinking like. Is it gonna be like a rancor or something like that? And then yeah, when the like thing. Yeah, when I saw the fur, I'm like, oh wait, so cool. And so Did anybody not like that? Any of us here? <laughs> well, sounds like there's one. I liked I loved it. Oh, okay. No, I thought I, you were I gonna be like loved that part. The wow. moment they said throw him to the beast, I a hundred percent knew it was gonna be chewy, and yet oh, it's still brag. it still was like <laughs> perfect. What'd you say? It's a weird brag. I know. But well, no, I, seriously. I I just like, oh, it's going to be chewy. But then I wasn't disappointed, and it was great, and I was glad it was chewy. It was very, very good. And I want to say, like, in general, a good thing about this movie was, despite it being a movie where you, you knew it was going to hit certain origin beats, the way that it hit them was often really surprising. I didn't see it coming. Like, uh -huh. Han and Chewie's meeting is an all-time classic Star Wars moment, I feel like. Like, that is perfect. It was wonderful. What was it, like, secret battle of pretend or something he described? Yeah. Like, I loved Han. He couldn't really speak it. <laughs> First time we see him actively speaking, or anybody speaking, uh, like, Wakil's... <laughs> Sherry Wok. Sherry Wok, yeah. 
is that like a hotel? Yeah, it's like yep. a chic. Sherry, the Sherry Woke Hotel? Yep. <laughs> Sherry Woke. But also, <laughs> yeah, no, that was really great. Oh, and, and the other Wokies. thing of like winning the Falcon. <laughs> winning the Falcon was like unexpected. You thought it was going to happen one way. It happened another way. Mm-hmm. There were things that I I didn't love that there was like an origin for his blaster and his last name. That uh, was not good, but I didn't see it coming. I'll say that. Um, this is the first time Chewbacca felt like a fully fleshed out character. Agree. Um, as much as I love Chewbacca in all the movies, he's he never gets a ton to do. He doesn't even get a medal. Famously, in A New Hope, everyone talks about that. But like, he just he's never treated like a sentient being. He's treated almost like a droid in a lot of Star Wars movies. I mean, even well, he's even the family in, dog. He, he's the family dog. We named him after the dog, but like and the dog is notoriously an enslaved race. The Star Wars <laughs> universe, yes. but even in like the Force Awakens, J.J. Abrams just like kind of forgot that Chewie would walk right, right by Leia and not even say anything. To, like th- he just gets forgotten a lot, and this is the first time he felt like a separate character from Han Solo. And he was a really great character. And even though you never, he never got subtitles. Other Wookies did, Han did, Chewie. I, I don't think ever got subtitles. And yet they made it. They made it work. Because that was my biggest thing. I don't know how you. I didn't know how you could make Chewie feel like a real character if you don't know what he's saying. But this movie. Oh, an did interesting, it. an interesting like tidbit that the Kazdan said was that they actually scripted all of Chewie's dialogue. Yeah. So that Han, like that Alden would know what he was saying. And, you know, I don't remember the actor who plays Chewie in this movie, but Jonas Satuma or something like that. That's, a, weird, that's a good Star Wars name. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that was a good choice because you could tell that they were actually like interacting as characters. Like yeah. it, their interactions felt way more real than they have uh, in the other movies. It, it was it was wonderful. Chewie was fantastic, and I loved his moment of like saving a fellow Wookie. Yeah, even though that Wookie looked really—that was an ugly Wookie. Kind of Wookie. <laughs> that was, you know what? I don't think that Wookie deserved to be saved. It had a weird face. <laughs> a and I'll tell you what, Wookie. too. Chewbacca in a uh, got to see him kind of unleash the the well documented Wookie rage when I mean, he was tearing oh open gosh. butts, tearing yeah. open butts, and sticking other butts inside of him. <laughs> that, that like. <laughs> <laughs> he took someone's arms off he did and then shoved it up in butt <laughs> but even the, the, his just his solo fights on Kessel yeah. solo fights but um they were yeah it was great to see Chewie kind of let loose they you know they they did a really good job with that I don't know if it's Jonas or Jonas whatever his name is the guy who plays Chewie now um oh it's it's Jimmy Jimmy, that's it. Jimmy Satuma. Anyway, he they could have just gotten anyone who is like seven foot three and stuck him in a Chewbacca suit. But it was it was weird to me that they spent time like casting him to be the new Chewbacca. Like not weird, but like it makes sense now because interviews and stuff I've seen with him, he takes his role as Chewbacca very very much like Anthony Daniels takes his role as C-3PO, I think. Like, I feel like he's going to be fine with being Chewbacca for the rest of his life and nothing else. 
So like, cool down, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like some people don't want to be locked into a character for life. And then there's some people like Anthony Daniel. Yeah. Jonas brother who are so excited to be this one character. Yeah. Is Jonas a no- notorious butthole as well? No, he seems like a very nice guy, but oh good. But I, I, it came through in this movie. I think that uh, he was very happy to be playing Chewbacca. No Chewy family, though. No Chewy family. Name chewy no friends, chic. but no Chewy family. Can I say that for a movie where you thought you were gonna expect, you thought you knew what to expect? There was no Jabba, no Boba Fett. There was no Kashyyyk. There was a lot of obvious beats they could have hit, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that. Like, at no point did Han say, I always shoot first or, or some garbage like that. You know, that it was weirdly, it was a very good mix of winky moments, to be honest with you. Like, I, I actually felt that was a strength of the film. <laughs> there was tons of reference to Legends oh, yes. material. And for better or worse, like, this feels like a Legends book on yeah. screen. Can we use that as maybe a segue into like I gotta say like the most unexpected character in this movie? Yeah, like this is said, gonna like, get a little negative I, again. I think from some people, but yeah, let's uh, talk about let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Dearth Mal, Dearth Mal, uh, Dearth Mound. I I had, I had predict I had predicted like Dartmouth five characters that I thought might show up, and none of them did. I don't think, and this is one that I. It was not even on my radar that Maul would be the one to show up at the end. And I loved it, Jasmine. (laughs) I didn't love it, Riley. Can't wait to bend you this one. (laughs) (laughs) Isaac, though, I know you have been talking about this moment a lot. And for the record, in our Discord, as, as, as we were making predictions before the movie came out, Isaac, as a joke, I think, predicted that Darth Maul would be in this movie. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. I, 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 maybe. I'm pretty sure you did. I'll take the compliment. Yeah. Um. So yeah, <laughs> you're I, welcome. I, I, gotta, I have to admit, like, as far as especially this new era of Star Wars, of all the twists we've gotten so far, this one by far was like the first one where like I was like open mouth and like laughing and. Like looking from side to side, like, can you believe what's happening right now, guys? Like, I, I got it. Like, I, when, when you get me, you get me. And I'll admit to it every time. And this time they got me. Like, I didn't expect Maul. And it took me uh, a second when I, I, I saw the hologram come up. I was like, is this going to be when Boba Fett comes? And all of a sudden I hear Sam Whitworth's voice and I'm like, what? And then, <laughs> yeah, like, I, in the first time I heard it, it was kind of, I, it was exactly like when CGI Tarkin showed up in Rogue One, where the first time I saw it, I didn't catch a word of what was going on, just because I'm thinking, like, that's Tarkin, and that's CGI, and that's the only thing I could, like, that was <laughs> looping in my brain, and this time I was thinking, that's Darth Maul, and that's Sam Witwer, and, like, I honestly didn't catch it as Ray Park the first time, like, for some reason I thought it was CGI in this, for whatever reason, oh, even though I the did actor too. is still alive. No. But, Yeah. I, uh, it should have been CGI. Jasmine. I, I want to say a nice thing about Maul because I know we're going to get negative. Jasmine this... will be. And then I'll bring it back. I know. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm totally with Isaac where – and here's the thing. I was spoiled on this. I, Ooh, really? I didn't, That's a big I didn't spoiler. Mean to, it was huge, and I was ticked that I heard it because yeah. I was like, what? How is it even possible? 
And I have to say, even knowing it going in, I was waiting for it the entire time. And when that hologram showed up, not for a single second did I think that was going to be Darth Maul. I thought, <laughs> huh, I wonder who that's going to be. And then I heard Sam Witwer's voice, and I was like, no, what? This doesn't even make sense. And then they showed it, and I was like, the entire theater went, what? And I did, too. Like, I was waiting for Darth Maul to like, walk by and be like, hey, how's it going? I was not <laughs> expecting for him to be like the big twist yeah. of like the mastermind behind it. And I... I want to circle back to what this means yeah. for storytelling in Star Wars, for things like that. Yes, because, I do. Too. Uh, mm-hmm. I also but, want to get um, Jazz, Jasmine's reaction because yeah, I, I agree with her to some extent. Yeah, I, I just didn't like it. Like, I wasn't shocked by it. Um, I was too busy. How is that possible? I was too distracted by how bad he looked to me. Like he did look really bad. I, I have to concede. Really bad. The costuming I felt made him look even worse. Like you could you could hardly tell he had the um robot legs. His like t- he looked really top heavy. Like the co- it, he just looked like puffy. Siri. Not, like set a reminder for May 26, 2038 to tell Jasmine and Jake how bad they look in 20 years. <laughs> okay. Go you ahead. think Sorry. in 20 years this is going to look a lot better? No, I think you guys are going to look bad in 20 years, just like Ray Park aged. Listen, we know how Ray Oops. Park looked in Phantom. <laughs> we know how Maul looks in Rebels. And there is no middle ground. That was just old Ray Park. So did you Do want you know him recast? That's, that's why, no, that's why I think it would have looked better CGI, especially since it was a hologram and not an actual like person standing in front of Kira. Just the hologram, the CGI, you could have melded those two characters together a little bit better to make it look more like the character and how he would look at this time period. Between that and again the audio syncing was off. I you know, I'm beyond happy Sam Witwer is in a Star Wars movie now. That makes my heart overflowish with joy. But did not like at all. This reminded me of when Rebels brought on Frank Oz to do Yoda. And I was like, oh, my God, how great. But I was distracted about how terrible that Yoda looked the entire time. <laughs> it was hard to enjoy what was a very good scene. And I was so shocked by this reveal. And I was happy the entire time. I was thinking, this doesn't look good. But I'm still excited that Maul's in this movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad they let Ray Park put on the makeup again and beat Darth Maul. It was a good moment. Um, it was amazing. I want to talk about what this means for Star Wars. Jimmy Macro view time. Play the, the song. <laughs> oh, there was there was an older this moment. Darth Maul showing up in this movie made me realize that I don't care about people anymore. Yeah. Play there, the song. There was an older couple You're behind Darth me. Nihilist now. Yes. There was there was an older couple behind me when the movie ended. They were immediately talking about Darth Maul. And they said, well, how is he there? Isn't he dead? And the husband, very matter-of-factly, said, well, yes, this is a prequel. This is before The Phantom Menace. And I thought, yeah, you go ahead and think that. I don't care that people aren't going to understand why Darth Maul is in this movie. I am so glad that Darth Maul is there. And kind of in connection with our discussion a few weeks ago, it's just like, yeah, if you want to get 100% out of Star Wars, you probably have to take in 100% of Star Wars and and that's fine 
with me. I don't care about other people. I love Star Wars. Uh, starting to talk like a Sith there a little bit, but <laughs> I gotta say, I that was the nerdiest joke. And what do Sith buy at Walmart? I wonder. <laughs> Yikes! But More I, dark chocolate. <laughs> I, oh no. <laughs> Well, one thing that I think is cool is if you are not familiar with Star Wars, like this clearly is meant to be a cliffhanger and a huge reveal. So like people who are confused about it, that's fine. It's like when any character comes back to life as a surprise in a movie or comic, it's like, whoa, how's that possible? And then, you know, they're going to explain it later. So mm-hmm. I don't think people are going to be like, what? I got to this doesn't make any sense. They're going to be like titillated and like, well, I want to find out more. People so, will definitely yeah. complain that it doesn't make sense because this is a Star Wars movie. Well, yeah, good point. Well, <laughs> I don't think general audiences will. I think no, that's that true. Fans are generally the ones who say this makes no sense, and they should all know. And like yeah. my mom will probably be very confused when she watches this movie. I think that people will be more excited about it. Like, oh, I can't wait to see how they explain this, not realizing they already did. But yeah, I want to talk about this movie because we i asked a couple weeks ago i used a faulty example of cassie and andor and almost we almost had to end the show forever because <laughs> it made people so upset but i asked started to get into interconnected marvel-esque storytelling how you would feel about it and this movie is so clearly trying to do that like it feels like a marvel movie in that kind of Iron Man 2 kind of way. Like, why is Black Widow in this? Oh, well, she's going to be important later. And this feels like, wait, why did they bother with this mall thing? Well, because this storyline's clearly going somewhere. And they clearly are setting up like for more Lando story. And they set up this whole thing with, oh, you know who we've heard to talk about was Emphis Nest. They set up this oh, whole yeah. thing with, you know, this crazy reveal that happens in the last like 20 minutes. Clearly they're planning some kind of that story to continue. And I think it's really cool. And I'm excited by it just like I thought it would be, but I want to know how you haters think about it. I, I guess I don't can, I don't see much of a difference between this cameo and like any, I don't know. It, it doesn't There's, feel, it doesn't feel like Marvel Wars. interconnectivity the way Mar. I don't know. It doesn't. What? It, it doesn't is feel the connects same way. to a cartoon. But he's not a cartoon. He's a character that's been in in movies before. No, like, but this it feels as to... connect. This feels as interconnected as Saul Guerrero in um, Rogue One felt. Like no, you you didn't have to know who he was or anything about him to understand his character in Rogue. Yeah, but you kind of don't have to know much about Maul. You have to watch the Phantom Menace, maybe. But like the the. I don't know. I, it doesn't feel the same as as Marvel to me. I like it. It doesn't. I, it's. I don't know. It just doesn't denial. feel the same. In denial. To me, it feels Marvelly in the sense that it felt more like a fan service cameo to me than an actual like good plot device. Like just like oh, it's Darth Maul. All the all the fanboys are gonna freak out lose their minds because it's Darth Maul on the screen again. And I thought it made sense in context of the movie, like when you went back and they, kind they of reanalyzed what they, they set, set up. up. Yeah, I mean, it didn't make... Like, it made sense. I'm not 
saying it didn't. It makes no sense. I think it's Isaac. Really I think Isaac nailed it. Do you remember what you nailed, Isaac? No, no, I don't. What did I nail? You made the point that at the end of of Clone Wars, Palpatine Sidious defeats That's Maul. <laughs> yeah, but well, but he's as Sidious. He defeats Maul yeah. and Savage. He kills Savage, and he tells Maul he has plans for him. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you kind of nailed the thing that this is a continuation of a Clone Wars story arc where Palpatine oh, yeah. puts Maul in charge of the crime syndicate so that that's just another way that Palpatine can control the universe. Because not only does he control the Empire, but also secretly, which he loves to do, he's in control of all the crime in the universe, too. Yeah, I find that interesting, considering where we find Maul in Rebels. Like, it's, it is like, it's it's almost like this cameo was like a, big advertisement for like the for these the both the cartoons more or less because mm-hmm. of where Palpatine or where Maul left off in Clone Wars and then when we see Maul on in Rebels he's like some he's uh, on Malachor obviously kind of waiting for he's on a much more personal mission when he's on Malachor and so possibly in on the big screen we're going to get to see like how Maul like kind of falls from grace in the criminal underworld. I don't know. I, it kind of opens up a lot of possibilities that are kind of this whole story is going to be bookended by Clone Wars and Rebels, and I think it's pretty interesting. Like it, it is. Like I don't know where how he ended up again as to, the, the guy in Rebels. Yeah, to to disagree with myself and to agree with Jake, the they, Jacob Kreitz story. Wait, they, no, they, it's the Jacob Kreitz story. Yeah, it fits. Um, I. It sets it up perfectly for the recently announced Boba Fett movie to have Maul show up in the Boba Fett movie and deal more with Maul's fall in the in the crime syndicates and maybe Good Boba Fett plays movie, a, Maul's fall. Maybe maybe Boba Fett plays a role in in Maul losing his position and then that's how Maul ends up on Malachor. But like if, it, if it sets it up for more interconnectivity. If there's a movie where Boba Fett and Maul have some kind of altercation that's the most fanboyish thing I've ever heard in my life. And I would love it. And I'd pay to see it seven times in the theaters. Yeah. That would be like, it's, it's kind of ironic that that would be rewarding every single raise a Mary Sue boy on earth. If Darth Maul and Boba <laughs> fought in a movie. Fan, fan <laughs> boys are, now this in Star Wars. Fanboys are bad and fandom is bad, but I would gladly pay money to see Darth Maul and, and Boba Fett fight. Oh, it, would, too. it would be, Did, it would be great. And I don't care. I, I'm a fan. The biggest accomplishment of this movie is that I want to see the sequel to Solo now. Like, I want to see more adventures of young like Alden and Donald Glover. Like, I yeah. really like them. I really like – and I, I hope we get into more, like, positivity because I love the world. I loved, like, all the set designs and creature designs. It, this this really felt like – like we said, like a Legends book. It, it felt like a living, breathing place. Oh, yeah. And, Can I – Yeah, go ahead. Were you done? No, but go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, this This movie also brought up the thing again of, like, people want to insist the Star Wars galaxy is humongous, but now Han Solo is one person away from knowing Darth Maul personally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, That's it, so true. It makes me think that, again, just there's that New Hope problem that I don't think Han Solo can meet Darth Maul because he doesn't believe in the Force. Um, but you know, who knows? It could be explained away somehow, but it makes me feel like Maul was set up for a future Boba Fett movie or a future something on his own. 
than with. Oh, I know what I was. Yeah, I'm sorry, no, go ahead. Sorry. I know what I was going to say, which is like this movie it managed to make me excited for like more like original trilogy era content, which I was so sick of. But now I'm like, no, I'm into it. Like if the stories are cool and the world is interesting and it's well done, then yeah, I don't care when the stories take place. And like, I, I genuinely hope that this is not the last that we see of this plot thread or these characters. Cause I really want to see Han and Lando come back. And I, I, they're clearly not done with Kira. Like, yeah, I'm all sending her on some mission. And here's, if she's just getting started and we see, her, you know, more of her character in future movies. I'll probably change my mind on her character in this one. I think it helps that there was no empire and no rebellion, which is all we've seen from the original oh, trilogy era. So it was so nice refreshing. to see something else. So refreshing. I, I, I felt like, you know, I was so excited to have like a Star Wars heist movie. And it it was kind of that and kind of not at the same time. Like they they were very eager to have it be explosiony and gunfighty, mm-hmm. and I would have liked it if it was more kind of westerny standoffs and double crosses and sneaking around. But maybe that would be, be the next a, one when they're working for Jabba. It wouldn't be a solo story if Han wasn't messing everything up and having to get himself out of a jam either. So, <laughs> are we kind of just like setting up shop here for like probably the next decade at least in like the from Phantom Menace to Episode Nine, like, are we just? I, it seems like that's kind of where we're going to stay. Like, I don't see us. Um, I, I guess you have a chance with the, um, the, the Game of Thrones guys and Ryan. Are you Johnson's saying like post Episode Nine era? I'm talking about like, uh, are the stories we're getting just going to stay in between one and nine? Like, I don't think we're going to. Oh, I people think so. Talk, People always talk about really wanting to go like super back or super forward, but I really think we're going to stay. We're not going to be in an era where there's not a Skywalker roaming the galaxy somewhere. I think if a if a filmmaker came along that had like a cool pitch for an old Republic movie or something, they would do it. Like, well, clearly they're not like stingy with having Star Wars projects in the works. I, <laughs> I think if somebody has a cool idea, but I, I tell you what, this movie made me realize is the story group has more input on these things than I think I thought. And I I also believe that they have an overarching story idea, kind of like how Marvel has ideas and phases of like, hey, this is going to be this story arc that leads to Age of Ultron, and this is going to lead to Infinity. Like, I think that they are trying to lay the track for something like that. And Solo feels like, step one and whatever that's going to be after episode nine comes out. Yeah. I think they're trying their best to uh, like capture the formula of empire strikes back where you're, you're trying to create like a George Lucas, but like in a hive mind with the story group and you hire like a talented director to do the movie to try to do like, try to strike that empire strikes back level of collaboration. And they're going to try that with every project probably. And I do think they do have something in mind like George did. Yeah. I, I got to say, is right. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, that was it. Oh, I, I got to say to Isaac's point earlier, um, if we stay in this post-Revenge, pre-A New Hope era, I'm going to be very happy. As much as I love the sequel trilogy, things in this era, to me, feel more like Star Wars at the moment. And I'm I sure that will change the more we get, but... 
Yeah. The, my issue, I, I think the only reason why you feel like that is because we have so much story in this era. And if mm-hmm. we had our stories in the sequel era, then it would, you know, just like the prequels to people at first were like, this doesn't feel like Star Wars. Things are shiny. But now, then, like, they yeah. added in... <laughs> So many stories that are now no. classic, and you don't even question it being Star Wars. No, you're you're totally right. It's just right now because they're so stingy on sequel era stuff. Um, which you, you got know, the Ruin new Johnson show will be that Ka- Crapley and Kennedy out there. <laughs> no, it's you just, know, it, and they're ruining Star Wars. They're well, they're they're doing it that way on purpose because they want to finish this trilogy before they really open up the floodgates, and I totally get that, but. And you're right, I'm sure it, that will change. But for now, because we've got so many stories from this era, it feels more right to me. I want to talk about um, Enfys Nest for a, a little bit. Okay, yeah. yeah, we skipped over her. Jasmine, what did you think of Enfys Nest? Where are you at? Um, it was fine. That's as much as I can say about it. I thought it was an, a nice little change. But like I, I also wanted to see more from them. Instead, I got like two scenes. That's it. Mm. It came so late in the movie that it was hard yeah. to understand what it meant and hard to care about. Because mm-hmm. I, she really, you you kept on being told that she was the villain, but then you only saw her like one time and you didn't know what she was up to. And then she's, and she's not, like, not the villain not all of a sudden. Cool. We're, we're yeah. friends. It is fine. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm getting tired of being negative. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was the by far the for me personally the coolest character design of the movie, like voice, oh, yeah. look, and all. I don't know because obviously Han doesn't really change his character until A New Hope. But I, I liked the fact that th- the side that Han had been on the entire time, he finally saw you, you can be a bad guy. Well, like like here tells him earlier in the movie, he can he can say he wants to be a bad guy all he wants. He's still a good guy, no matter how how much he tries to hide it. Um, so there will there will always be a point in in Han Solo's life where there's something that's just a little too a little too far that he won't do. Um so I kind of like that that he was he was on the wrong side and he realized it and once he there there's a limit for Han Solo even though he's he's trying to be a bad guy and I like that his limit was, you know, I need to help these people. I don't know. It was mm. a I think there's something I, there. I need to see it again. I just enjoyed that uh we're really getting to see like just how textured the the rebellion is in this era. And I think that's really going to lend well to if we're going to hear a lot of stories from this era where you do have like Saw Gerrera's militia, you have the Rebel Alliance, you have the the Dreamers, and you have Enfys Nest and her band Cloud of Riders? married people. Yeah, Cloud Riders. Riders. Yeah, it's just kind of cool that we're getting like all these different angles of like everyone hates the empire but everyone kind of has their own way of fighting the empire and so you now have the opportunity to i don't know make a comic or make a novel with the the cloud riders meeting up with the dreamers and all that stuff yeah yeah i kind of like it's supposed to be a huge universe so i like that the rebellion is not 
the rebellion. It is many rebellions, and I kind of like that. And that Chewbacca is two degrees of Kevin Bacon from Darth Maul. <laughs> yes, I like that too. <laughs> I, I I like everything you guys are saying, but I, I when Riley was talking, it reminded me of a couple things I, I didn't like. You'd be You're surprised ready. to hear this. I disliked how they completely like took away any subtext and just had Kira straight up say, you're the good guy. Huh. I disliked that. Nobody actually, would ever say something like that. Nobody would ever describe somebody as the good guy, maybe a good guy. Oh, just May because no one's described you that way, Jake. <laughs> Has anybody ever described you as the good guy? <laughs> That's a in a movie. That was like one of my favorite lines of the movie. So yeah. I, just I, liked, I liked it too. Let's just like that. Just like that, and I also disliked something else. When I can't remember it, huh? So many things that you dislike, you can't keep them all straight. True. <laughs> oh, I want to talk about aesthetics and just like the way it was directed and sounded and things like that. Mm-hmm. Sure. It was good. It looked really good. <laughs> <laughs> it looked really good, and the soundtrack is uh, it's a sleeper hit. I've been listening to it, and it's it's great. Okay, one thing on music is they did accidentally and maybe not accidentally because david collins showed us that uh john williams is more than happy to take cues from other composers but the i think it's han solo's theme there's a like a, a like a little cue that goes like nah, 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 nah. Mm-hmm. and that is exactly out of the legend of zelda note for note yeah. it ha- even like the next phrase, like like that is the whole phrase was just straight up. It's the Dragon Roost Island theme, and I just it struck me because I w- I'm playing that game, and I was like, "What the heck? That's literally just from a Zelda game." If and it happened. W. Collins has taught me anything. He's taught me that John Williams is a thief. He's a dirty thief. Yeah. How appropriate if Han Solo's theme is stolen? <laughs> that is true. <laughs> no, it. it it that was kind of weird, but in general, the soundtrack's very good. Isaac, what were you going to say about the cinematography? It was good. <laughs> good podcast. There were <laughs> there were a few standout moments for me um, that I just loved and I thought were really pretty and really want to see again. Lady Proxima's chambers was one of them. Oh man, that was just a great. Those were just great visuals the whole time. Loved Corellia in general. I loved Corellia too. Um, we didn't get to see much Corellia, of Corellia. I think it it felt too cold to me. Mm-hmm. I I feel like in um, a lot of games and even in books, it's described as being more like rusty, more warm, like that kind of dirty feeling. I guess more than just like cold metal, dark like. I, I didn't feel like I was on Corellia just from like a EU standpoint, but yeah, whatever. I've never That's read just me being nitpicky. I we also got Mimbin, which is friend of the show's Splinter of the Mind's Eye. That's where that takes place. So that was pretty crazy. And sure enough, it was foggy and muddy, and you couldn't <laughs> see a lot, which felt accurate to that terrible book. <laughs> um. That's where Han, one of the best transitions, by the way, is when Han's signing up to the flight academy. He's like, I'm going to fly. And yeah. Like flying through the air, which is very good. I like yeah. That. And then he was, yeah, that was good. Um, another standout moment for me, 
as far as visuals was the of course we had to have a cantina scene but this one was really fun visually oh, and so good th- the singers were just so perfect oh my favorite yeah part of the entire movie was the singing love- head in a jar that was I, that so made perfect. me really laugh <laughs> seeing no that was, oh boy Seeing seeing that and seeing things like Lady Proxima, I was just like, this is so weird, and I here's, love it. Yeah, here's the th- I'm not going to say anything bad about those, because I I know in my heart they felt very Star Wars-y and, like, OT. And I I know I know they're good. I just I feel like I have to watch it again, because, like, in the moment, it was just, like, a little much for me. I think you were in a bad mood. Hey, you know what? Maybe I was. <laughs> I, Maybe I'm always in a bad mood. I'm a bad podcaster. No. Oh, well, that's, that's possible. I, <laughs> there was a lot of cantina scenes in this movie because there's Dryden's big ship that he rides around in that's just a big cantina. And cool then there's very cool ship. There's also the um, where we meet Lando the first time. Oh, yeah. Which was awesome. And then there was where we meet Lando the second time. And I swear to God that Constable Zuvio is in Lando's, that first place where Lando's hanging out. That's possible. I want exclusive rights to this Easter egg finding because no one else is talking about it. The ending seemed really fun. And it seemed like a place that I should probably recognize. I don't think they the just threw in that. Yeah, I don't think they just, I bet that's an old EU reference that I'm just not, that I just didn't. Yeah, know. I'm pretty sure like they dropped that like breadcrumb two earlier in the movie because Lu- that was like I think Lando said he won like a, a subtropical moon uh, Gamma Sabak once yeah at the beginning so I was waiting for crashed. hologram fun world so hard <laughs> it didn't happen um also I found out earlier today that the character that Warwick Davis is playing is the same, same character one. from the Phantom Menace. I love that. I knew it. He looks the same. He looks it's the same. Great. Yeah. yeah. Supposed to be the same friend of Watto. His name is Weasel. Friend of Watto. Yes. <laughs> Missed opportunity to not have Watto in this movie, by the way. <laughs> well, he should be in every movie, really. He should have been a cloud rider. I mean, he could he just has his own setup, right? There. He can already fly. Do you, I, I gotta <laughs> say, like for, for as much like crap as like I don't know. People like him took, or like uh, people think of him have like racist overtones. I don't know. Either way, like if you in any Star Wars movie, if you had just like two seconds of like guy walking down a dark alley, bumps into a guy, he's like, oh, "What's the big idea?" Shut, like shut. the crowd, the crowd would go wild. Yeah, Everybody like, would, would be... flip. I. Uh, how do we feel shape? about Ron Howard? Uh, I feel like most of the legwork was done by the cinematographer. His name escapes me in this moment, but Ron Howard sat behind the camera for so many days, and <laughs> he hit play and he hit pause. And I think, I, I think they brought Ron Howard in because he is a professional. He's made many movies. He's old, and they knew he was going to come in and take control and get this movie released by yeah. May twenty fifth. You know what Ron Howard is? Ron Howard is like a legendary like Nashville studio musician where like everyone in the biz is like, oh man, you got to get this guy. (laughs) But you would never be able to differentiate his his tone from anyone else. 
he is like absolutely an incredible guitarist, but like not nothing distinctive about him as a musician. Ron, yes. How- Ron yeah. Howard is the Pino Palladino of movies. That's for one person out there. Was there any actions that scenes that stood out to anybody? Nah. Yeah. I, no, the entire the Kessel Run thing was great. Train was fun. The Kessel Run was a lot of fun. Train, as per as a person who loves train scenes and movies for no particular reason, I was very disappointed by that scene. But I thought, are you a child? I don't know what it is. Like I love from Russia with love train fights. I love any action scene in a movie, like that first Mission Impossible movie where they're fighting on top of that train. Love it. Bond. Last Crusade. Love it. Skyfall. Skyfall. Love it. Skyfall um, and the World of Tomorrow. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's always what I think of. I always think Sky Captain. Skyfall and the World of Tomorrow. I always think of that. My hair Skyfall. Sky Captains in that new Winnie the Pooh movie. For for as many people said who said we don't need to see, we don't need to see everything, we don't need to see the Kessel Run. That was just a you know thrown out there line. I thought the whole Kessel sequence was a lot of fun. It was the best scene in the movie, in my opinion. And I don't understand what the Kessel Run is still. So I, it's still a mystery to me. I kind of like that about it, is that it's like... It, it's just riding through a cloud tunnel. Yeah, I like it. We're going to sound like idiots in like no, te- okay, three months technic- when everybody has figured out this movie. If you want to get on Wikipedia, there's a, like a play-by-play instruction of how people get through the Kessel Run. But I don't care, and you shouldn't care either. It was a—it's just a fun sequence. It's something that Han Solo had to do. He had to get through it the was Kessel Run. very cool, and uh, I liked the—I—I I, I just thought all of the the interplay between Han and Lando and Chewie was so excellent. Yeah, and it really stood out during those scenes in particular. And you know, I didn't read that last shot book. But that phrase, Immaculate Kate Museum, really stood out to me. <laughs> and sure enough, as soon as I saw that, I was like, Immaculate Kate Museum. Yeah. It was in the movie. The my Maybe my most feel-good moment of the movie is during one point in the Kessel Run, Kira is co-piloting after L3 gets blown up. Uh, oh, and, yes. And Chewie just keeps doing everything because he knows what he's doing. And Kira's like, okay, you sit down. And he sits down, and it's just a shot, and I, like she moves out of the shot, and you just have Han and Chewie sitting in the cockpit together, flipping switches, and the music does a little callback to oh, yeah. Falcon music from mm-hmm. previous movies, and I was just like, oh, it's yeah, fantastic. That's nice. You know, it made me. Um, it, it had like a little extra resonance too, because I've always really loved the moment at the end of The Force Awakens with Ray piloting the Falcon next to Chewie and he gives her like a little nod. Yeah. As like this kind of passing of the torch. And I, it kind of felt like we've now seen the like entire history of Chewie in this, in the millennium Falcon down to him piloting it, you know, by himself and a bunch of porgs in the last Jedi. I'm loving the history of Chewie with the Falcon. Yeah, after after Force Awakens, it was uh, it's kind of depressing. Even even with Rey there, it's kind of depressing thinking that you're never gonna see Han and Chewie in in there again. So getting it in this movie was good. We didn't talk about L three becoming a part of the Falcon. No, I I find that to be a, a bit of a bummer. I have mixed feelings about it. It's a bummer. It's it's, it's adding. You know how people didn't like midichlorians because they're like, we didn't need to know that about the Force. 
we knew enough about it already. I feel like this is that. I like Midichlorians, by the way. I, I'm fine with them. My this, complaint this like is nitpicky, and I just feel like if I keep talking and being nitpicky, everyone's going to hate me. So <laughs> No. Like, I agree with basically yes. everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, this is completely my fault, but, you know, I just assumed all my life all my life that um (laughs) (laughs) um that you know han actually piloted the falcon in 13 parsecs instead of 20 or whatever and instead he just like plugged in a cheat code and did it i i didn't like i didn't like that it felt kind of cheap to me it felt very on brand that han has been lying about this his entire life i mean i can agree to that but I don't like it. Um, <laughs> That's all. My my problem with it is that I don't like taking one of the few female characters and making her this ship. That feels weird to me. And at the same time, I like now that 3PO talking to the Falcon in Empire Strikes Back. I like thinking about him talking to L3 kind of even though she's not the same i like that i saw you like a a post on twitter with the which i didn't read the last jedi um novelization but there's a section in there with r2 talking about the falcon and its personality cantankerous personality or whatever yeah so i yeah that was really neat i i have mixed feelings i like it and i don't like it i i think i don't love anybody's like compulsion to go back and retcon things that don't need to be or to be like hey this was secretly this the whole time and you you know it um it's hard to think of another example of well, that chlorians you already said it and you said you oh like yeah them. yeah it, it, that's kind of fine because i i guess if, to me it never really changed anything well, i don't think this does either i guess not it just seemed i i tell you why i didn't love it is because it felt like Yes, we did a major disservice to this cool female droid activist, but here's a consolation prize. She's secretly the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> yes, and that's that's the part I don't like about it. It felt like, no, 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 it's all cool. See, she's she lives inside the Falcon forever now. She's actually in all the movies. Didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I would I would be fine with this happening to someone. I don't like it happening to L3, if that makes sense. I don't know. It would have been cool if we knew a lot about L3, and this was like the culmination of her character arc. Or if it was like her choice. It doesn't work as the culmination of her 23 minutes of screen time. Yeah. Do we have any other major things we need to talk about? Because we're creeping up on two hours. I May think I, I s- got most of my comments out. I think Isaac wants to say something, but yes. I don't know if we should let him. Uh, Isaac, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Isaac and Joel Coffey uh-huh. are wrong. Hey, um, I was going to summate my thoughts on Solo, and I Summated. forgot to say this at the beginning. You're a little quiet, by the way. Yeah, you got quieter. Oh, for that part, I was checking my Twitter. So, <laughs> <laughs> Game 6 of the Western Conference Finals is on. So, yeah. my well, Another thing I thought about with this movie, like, for as many of the, of the ways that it wasn't my favorite Star Wars movie ever. When I thought about this, and even though I've never played like 
a card game, like a Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, whatever in my life, and I've never played an MMO in my entire life. <laughs> I, I really really thought of this comparison. Magic, what? Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon sounds like an awesome card game. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. Um, but I, I thought to myself, like, this movie, for me, is kind of like the perfect, like, expansion pack for Star Wars, where, like, it put a lot of, like, little neat things in there. I was, just for, like, the smallest things, like some of the, like, aliens and, like, the 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 atmospheres that it just like just different th- like new stuff i can put into my brain bank as far as like uh now i know what corellia looks like and now i've seen this now i've seen that there's just lo- lots of little cool details and also as we mentioned before it seems like this movie is kind of like paving the way for kind of new places to go so that's kind of how i thought of it. it was like a nice little expansion pack where it didn't necessarily it's not like this main event like the last jedi or anything like that but it kind of gave you a, a, a lot of good little nuggets to, to chew on. And I'm going to have fun with that. And like, I got the official guide in the mail yesterday and I'm going to read it uh, page by page, just like any good reader would do. And those are my thoughts. So Very made good it. DLC. <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> know, you, you knuckleheads, I said DLC. you knuckleheads did not mention the one thing you guys always mention when we talk about aliens in Star Wars, enough of them. Yes, <laughs> I had to move way back from my microphone for that. I thought that was going to be the first word out of your mouth. Yeah, I don't know how I how that slipped my mind, but there was a Rodian in this. He didn't get a it single was like line. Orange, right? So actually, screw that because he didn't get a single line. <laughs> but I at least got to see Kira. his face. There were Twi'leks. There were Twi'leks. Guess yeah, how many lines they had? They were there. And go screw Disney. There was a decraniated, which that was my favorite design Uh, from Rogue One, which like you can see it fuzzy in the background of of one shot, but it was in the visual guide and it was really cool. And it's like Dryden Voss's little assistant is this half a head lady. And it was really cool. There's another two tube. Yeah, I think it's the same one. It is two tubes. Yeah. The two tubes? It is the two tubes. James T. Two tubes. <laughs> Mr. Jimothy T. Two tube. So spe- speaking of Senior. of future content with maybe the Cloud Riders and Saul's people getting together, I'd say that's pretty much a guarantee. Oh, absolutely. That that felt like a very that felt like a big wink. Like, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Do some stuff with this. It'd be cool to see, like, if that breadcrumb has been dropped in any previous material. If there was like, if I, I don't know, like some like background captain from rebels said something about the cloud riders at some point if there was like an inferno oh. squad if, i wonder if in inferno squad they said cloud riders at any point that seems like it could have been in there at some point i'm gonna would have control been f all my digital copies of the star wars books for cloud riders if you know what i mean <laughs> on a on a slightly serious note i um i was very happy to see a rodian and yet i'm still very disappointed that <laughs> That we're not getting... I, I like aliens. I like Star Wars because there are aliens, not because there are humans. I like human characters. But, like, that's not the most exciting thing to be in Star Wars. So, yes, we got cool aliens in the background, but the only one who really got lines was Rio. So, like, oh. please give me more aliens with actual roles, Star yeah. Wars. You want to get final thoughts? Yeah, Isaac gave his... Final summate, as he said. Um, I consummate. I consummated. <laughs> Jasmine, 
Go ahead. Be as negative you know, as you want. We were positive for a long time there. I, I don't even want to be negative anymore. It's 11 o'clock at night and <laughs> I'm just, I've tired myself out. I just, I felt, I feel like I've said all I can say about this movie. I feel a little weird being the person who like, especially like on the internet, seeing a lot of people who actually really love and enjoy this movie. And I'm the one who outside and not totally loving it or thinking it's funny or anything. It just, it's kind of a bummer to me that I didn't really enjoy the Star Wars movie. Yeah, you're, and I you are not alone. So, yeah, I'm just seeing like a lot of people, especially people who like had problems with the Last Jedi, who love this movie. Definitely noticing that, which I don't understand. I at understand all. it. I well, I well because this movie it, finally had some women that have to rely on a man once in a while, and <laughs> <laughs> knew when to shut him up, which was about after five minutes of screen time. You blow them up. <laughs> but to shut up every scene they're in. It is. It I, is. I'm starting to just think it's just a much simpler story, and it's easier for people to take in, and so they can enjoy it more. And I don't. I just really liked the current course that Star Wars was taking with the Last Jedi and the um, sequels. So having the simpler movie like was really noticeable to me it just felt a lot simpler a lot more bland a lot more boring to me unfortunately it is it is interesting real quick that um han solo was raised an orphan in the slums and yet he's very good (laughs) at piloting and he's very good (laughs) at shooting blasters and he can speak multiple alien languages and yet no one seems to have a problem with han solo being able to do all that Well, he probably had to work really hard for many Uh, years to that point. Yeah, probably. Uh, Jake, final summate. (laughs) I don't. We're saying we're saying it now. We're saying I don't approve this (laughs) message. Um, I I liked this movie. Um, My my main thing, I guess, is just Lawrence Kasdan. I don't know as much about his, his son, who's his co-writer, but you know he's no stranger to cliches and writing in uh, you know very genre-based movies. But it struck me how consistently like drenched in cliche this movie was. I think Star Wars obviously builds on the back of like established genre and does something interesting with it. I think the problem with this movie is that it, it a lot of times didn't do anything interesting with the genres that it was playing with. It just kind of hit all of the standard beats you would expect a heist movie to hit. And that was the kind of bummer of it. That's why I didn't like that initial, you know, Beckett and his whole crew. They just felt like something out of a really generic movie from 2006. But the rest of the movie I really loved. I I, th- I found it very exciting for future Star Wars stories. I loved the leads. I thought Lando and Han and Chewie were fantastic. And it looked and sounded great. I'm excited to watch it again. Uh, by the end of the movie, I felt like it won me over and I had a good time. Okay. I feel like I feel like I know what it was like. 
when people who grew up with Star Wars watched the prequels. I think I understand that now. I didn't before because I grew up with those movies. I there get it go. now. My final thoughts. I really enjoyed this movie. I'm very excited to see it again. I had a lot of fun. It was, uh, I think I liked it for the reasons that maybe Jasmine didn't like it. As far as like, we've gotten more mature Star Wars with more of a purpose lately. And this was not that. Uh, but it was a really fun adventure for me. The The adventure parts of this movie really worked for me. And so I really liked it. And I am excited to see it again. <laughs> and that is all I have I to say. I say, oh boy. That's all I have to say about Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh, I like the... What was the very beginning of the movie? It didn't do the crawl, but it did something it did. like a crawl. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like Legends in that it had just kind of like a little just prelude. blue text. But the first line I really liked... Continue the it's trend. Han Solo is a cool little dude. On Han the Solo has really. vanished. No, it. Um, <laughs> oh, it Han Solo is a cool little dude. That's what. I said. <laughs> no, it was something about law. It's a lawless time, or it's a lawless galaxy. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Whatever it was, I really liked it. That's my final. I summary. love how it hyped up Lady Proxima yeah. as the terrifying villain, <laughs> and it's a big worm and a bat. I know. I know. That and was then the best part of the who movie. doesn't like the sunlight? It was great. Uh, it was okay. like video game logic. Yep. Okay. Is that it? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Say when. When. This has been delicately curated, long-form discussion of the internationally beloved Star Wars saga tailored to the modern fanatic, brought to you lovingly in weekly increments by the loquacious but yet soothing voices of your hosts, uh, Riley, Jake, Ryu and Peace, <laughs> Jasmine, Poopity Scoop, <laughs> and Isaac. Hit us up online, yo. Oh, yeah. Follow us on Twitter. Send us emails. Tell us what you thought about Solo, a Star Wars story, but only tell me if you liked it because I've had enough. Grandma's talking at gmail.com. Send your voicemails then and we'll play them in four months. Send your voicemails. voicemails. Man, I wish if I had time, I would pull up Isaac's phone number and give it out. Um,. And join our Discord, because actually that's the best place to talk to us about Solo, because we talk about it all the time. Shout out to everyone in our Discord. You know who you are. You're great. Uh, That's it. Solo. Bye, Low. Bye. Bye. Also, a quick news, Gunray. I saw today that uh, insider information is that Billy D. Williams is now working out three times a day and has started a new diet, healthy diet. Do recently, you think that there recently is after any- the the script has been finished for nine. I don't you think there's any chances because he's old and infirm and wants to improve his quality of life as a human being? No. no. Okay, it's only because he's going to be in a movie. Yeah, it's only yes. because yeah, that's. He's only uh, getting paid to do it. Yeah. Look, look, look at <laughs> Carrie Fisher and uh, Mark Hamill. They did the exact same thing while uh, Force Awakens was getting finalized. 
It's it's maybe just me because I. Oh. Am in, Whoa! Is there a semi truck backing into our podcast? I think so. <laughs> it's done. There's a car behind me. I rolled the windows down. I'm sorry. Rough audio with weird noises. The Isaac Rex Center story. <laughs> but yeah, look at it, Jake it did, solo. You've played yourself, Jake. What? <laughs> what I do? I didn't hear what you said. I said, now you're the one defending Solo. You've played yourself. <laughs> oh. Oh, God, this episode is so good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, ta- I'm trying to tank it at this point. Remember, like, the thing when, like, indie bands from the early 2000s would, like, say words the British way, but they were from New York and it was weird? <laughs> like the Like the strokes? Yeah, like all those, like, they're from Midtown Manhattan, but they use the word process in conversation. <laughs> <laughs> he likes to say rubbish a lot. Ugh, and that's not our word. No, that's not I'm our word. rubbish. <laughs> Who's this character? Lee Bomb is rubbish. I love this um, new character, Tracer, Jasmine. Tracer Hello. Overwatch. Oh, darn. <laughs> it's not an original character. Hi, Jake. <laughs> Hey Jake, we're talking. We're talking about uh, Americans using uh, British words. Kill us, quite frankly. <laughs> they sound like right tossers. <laughs> Can we give we the news gun ray the uh, pleasure it deserves? A- oh, sorry, I-, I didn't mean to interrupt that. You can do that again in a second. I'm going to try. <laughs> oh no! Okay, well oh, you boy. failed. So <laughs> <laughs> um, we lost Jake. He'll be back. <laughs>